you take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, begin reading in a few moments with the fourth verse. Charlie Brown was talking to Linus, and he said, I worry about school a lot. I worry about my worrying about school. Even my anxieties have anxieties. Sometimes we feel that way. I found myself in a strange situation this week. I started working on this sermon, and here I am working on a sermon on being free from my anxiety, and I got anxious about whether I was going to get it like I wanted it to be or not. All of us have worries, don't we? All of us have times when we, you know, wish we could be free from anxiety and we could not necessarily be free from anxiety and be able to put it aside like we would be able to do. All of us have worries. Now, you know, there are a lot of things to worry about. We, we worry about our health. We worry about our finances. We worry about relationships. Uh, if we've got children, we worry about children, whether they're little children or whether they're adult children. You've probably heard the old saying, when children are little, they step on your toes. When they grow up, they step on your heart. And you know, sometimes it works that way. And we worry about our children. Sometimes stage in life, we may be worrying about our parents. Uh, we worry about Ebola. We worry about terrorists. Uh, we worry about things that take place in the church. And you know that, you know, you're getting a new pastor. And it's an exciting time, but it's kind of, you know, man, I hope this works out all right. I hope we made the right decision. You know, we're concerned about things. Now, understand that there's a difference between concern and worry. The Apostle Paul, who wrote these words that we're going to read in a few minutes, had some concerns. If you look back over in, in chapter 3, verse 18, he said, for as often told you before, and now say, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He wrote in another place, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. He was concerned about the church at Philippi. That's one of the reasons he wrote this book. He, he was concerned about you know, some of the issues that they were facing. He was concerned about some of the friction between some of the members. If you look at verse 2 in this chapter, he said, I plead with you, Odiah, and I plead with Sintachi to agree with each other in the Lord. He was concerned that their disagreement might spread to the whole church and cause a lot of disharmony and disunity. So he was concerned. We can be concerned about things, but we don't want to be concerned with things all the while. You know, a lot of times we worry it is kind of unnecessary worthy. A man named Walter Krabat uh, did some research on worry, and, and this is what he found. 40% of our worries never happen. 30% are about things that took place in the past, and they're over and done with, so why worry about them now? 12% are needless health worries. 10% are over things that don't matter. And 8% are probably legitimate. So, what are we going to do with our anxieties? You know, all of us have them. How can we keep them from being more than concerns that we have and need to legitimately respond to and, and instead become something that just almost paralyzes us with, you know, our, our, and wastes a lot of our energy on being anxious? After all, what does anxiety accomplish? 
nothing that's beneficial, not anything. Does it change circumstances? Doesn't make any difference in our situations? Anxiety is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. So what's the biblical prescription for living without anxiety? We're going to look at one. It's found here in this passage of Scripture, and it's got several parts to it. You know, sometimes when you, you get an illness and you go to the doctor, you know, he doesn't just give you one medication. He'll give you one or two or three or four. If you don't believe it, I'll show you my wife's pill packet sometime <laughs> and let you see how many she has to take. So several different things that we can do about anxiety. The biblical prescription for living free from anxiety. Let's look at it. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, notice those things that are spelled out there. First of all, he says, rejoice in the Lord. The psalmist said, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Each day we should find something to rejoice in, to be glad about. And even when the times are difficult, we should know that there's some things, some reasons that we can rejoice in the Lord. In the book of Habakkuk, the prophet was writing during a time when the Babylonians had come in, they'd attacked his country, or they did just, it was a very difficult time. And, and notice what he said. This is in Habakkuk 3. Though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. What's he saying? He's saying everything in life can go wrong, and I still have God, and He's still my Savior. And we can do that. And that's what Paul is saying. Rejoice. In everything that happens? No, that's not what he's saying. What did he say? Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. We've got a Savior. We've got a destiny. We've got His presence. Rejoice in the Lord. And then he said, be gentle with others. And why did he say that? Probably because when we get anxious, sometimes we aren't gentle with others. Yeah leave home a little late for an appointment and get behind some slowpoke, and how gentle are you going to be with them? <laughs> you know, you just can't wait to whip by them. You know, show that pokey person that's in my way. We get anxious, and sometimes we get snappy with people, the people that are close to us, the people in our own family. You know, we get under that pressure. Paul says, be gentle with people. You see other people hurt too. And understand something, people are fragile. People are fragile. We have to be careful that we don't hurt them. We have to be careful that we don't break them. We have to be careful we don't give them something to be anxious about. After all, hasn't God been gentle with you? Listen to what the Scripture says. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, 
abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Oh, don't we serve a good God? He's gentle with us. He, we deserve a smack up the side of the head, and He doesn't give it to us. Uh, he's a gentle God. He's good to us. So Paul reminds us, be gentle, even when you're stirred up. Then remember that the Lord is near. Now, you know, this can be taken two ways. Well, one of the ways is He's near to us. And the Scripture reminds us of that over and over and over again. God is near us. God is with us. When uh, we've got a great opportunity, it might be a great challenge for us. God is with us. Remember when Moses had died and Joshua became his successor? And he was going to be the one that was going to have to lead the people into the promised land and, and overcome the, the inhabitants there? And God came to him and said, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And Joshua could take comfort in that. And he gave him courage. Or what about the psalmist? He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And Isaiah, Isaiah 43, there's this couple of verses that just stand out to me. God says to us that, you know, he reaches down his strong right hand and holds on to us. He takes us by our right hand and keeps us in his grip. He's with us to hold on to us. And Jesus reiterated this over and over. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus told us before he went back to heaven, he said, behold, I am with you always. And the scripture says that the Lord says, never will I forsake you, never will I fail you. He's always there. He's not going to forsake us. So He's near to us. We don't face anything that God is at with us and goes with us through it. Whether we're on the mountain peak or in the lowest valley, whether we're rejoicing with ease or we're struggling with death itself, God is with us. He's promised again and again, I am with you. Now, it may also mean he's near and he's coming. They mean that. And the scripture reminds us of that. In Philippians, excuse me, not in Philippians, in uh, James chapter 5, it says, You too be patient and stand firm. The Lord's coming is near. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, for just in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. He who is coming, the Lord Jesus, will come. And he, when He comes, He's going to make everything right. He's going to change everything that's wrong. And He's going to establish His perfect righteousness in that perfect place for us. So remember that the Lord is near. And then pray. That's what He says. Pray. Do not be anxious about anything. Pray. My mother-in-law used to say, I'll start worrying when I can't pray. Some pretty good advice. So we are reminded that we are to pray. Now, we're to pray about everything. Look at that. 
Do not get anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything. You know what the word everything means there? Everything. You're right. It means everything. Pray about everything. You know, it, it might seem like a small concern to you. You can pray about it. It might be a huge concern to you. You can pray about it. You can pray about everything. Howard Hendricks is a Bible professor at a Christian college, and he invited a friend over to his house one night, and, and Hendricks' little boy, four years old, wanted to ask the blessing. So he said, sure, son, go ahead. And the little boy prayed, dear God, make the food easy to eat and protect the fence in our backyard. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, they ate the meal, and, you know, the little boy went off to play, and, and the guest said, I understand your son's prayer about the meal, but what's, what, what was he talking about the fence? And Hendricks said, well, you need to know the background. Next door to us lives the baddest, meanest dog in the neighborhood. And every day he prays, God protect the fence. <laughs> Don't you think God is concerned about your fences? Sure he is. You can pray about everything. Everything. In everything. So pray about everything. And then pray prayers. Now, that's just the general term for praying. But uh, prayers encompass a good bit. Prayers mean that we give God thanks. We thank God in our prayers. Prayers mean that we bring our requests to God. Prayers mean that we confess our sins to God. Prayers mean that we bring our petitions to God. Prayers mean that we worship God. We stop and think about who He is. We stop and think about how great He is, how powerful He is. He's the Almighty God. He's the all-sufficient God. He is the creator God. He is the redeeming God. And when we start to realize how great God is, then we start to realize if he's that great, he can handle what we're facing. He knows what he's doing. And he'll bring some good out of it. And he'll bless us in the midst of it. And then it says, pray with petitions. Now, petitions mean asking. It means asking. Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean demanding. You see, when you go and demand something, you're, you're putting the emphasis on your ability to get it. You know, you, you, you go up to, you know, somebody that's, you know, charged you too much in a store, for instance, and you, you say to them, I demand that you straighten this bill out and make it right. You've charged me too much. No. That's a demand. That's not the way we petition God. Petition is asking. It's, it's humility. It's realizing that the response doesn't depend on us. It depends on the other. And so when we petition God, we realize we don't have a thing to do with it. We don't have any reason to request it. We don't have any ground to stand on other than the good nature, the mercy, and the grace, and the love of God. And so it's all on Him. So we make our request to Him, realizing it's in His hands. And He's the one that can do the right thing about it. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Be grateful 
every day. Be grateful every day. You can always find something to be thankful for. Back in 1997, Joy had cancer, spread to lymph nodes. She had to have a stem cell transplant. Uh, that means they just about kill you with chemotherapy <laughs> and then try to induce your stem cells back to, to get you, you know, over the treatment. And in the meantime, your immune system's been wiped out. So if you catch, you know, pneumonia, you're gone because you can't fight it off. And so it was a very tense time. I spent five weeks in the hospital with her, only leaving a time or two when I had to do something like a funeral or something. I'd spend every, every day, every night. I could wake up in the morning after sleeping on those lousy excuses for, you know, <laughs> guest beds in hospitals, and I, I could give thanks. It might have been, Lord, thank you that the sun's shining outside. It might have been, thank you, it hasn't been any worse than it was. Thank you that we had a compassionate nurse. Thank you that we had a competent doctor. You can always find something to be thankful for. And God wants us to be thankful. And then we can look back and remember how God has blessed us in the past. And we can be thankful for that. You remember the line of the, the hymn, All of Us Know It, Amazing Grace? Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace is lead, will lead me home. We can look back and be thankful for God's grace who got us through some of those scrapes that brought us through in the past. God's just a good God. And we can be grateful to Him. We can give thanks to Him. We can praise Him for watching over us and helping us and blessing us in so many ways. We can always be thankful that we have a God who knows what we're going through that we have a God who cares what we're going through, and that we have a God who's working on our behalf. We can always be grateful for that. So pray with thanksgiving. And then present your request. Bring your request to God. Bring them to Him. Again, in the book of Hebrews, we read about this. It says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can come before the throne of grace with confidence to make our petition. That's what God tells us. And you know what? We need to be specific. We need to be specific. Well, bring your petitions to God. Be specific with them. Present your requests to Him. Bring them to Him. Don't be so general in your prayers that if God answered them, you wouldn't know that it was answered. What do you want changed? What, what situation is bothering you? What result do you want to see? What exactly do you want God to do? Present your request to God. Get it clear in your mind and present it to Him so that when He answers it, you'll know, wow, God did that. Present your request to God. Now, why can we do these things? Why can we pray in these ways? You can do it because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done. 
Because Jesus has gone to the cross and He's paid the price for our sin. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He was delivered for our offenses and He was raised again for our justification. So because our offenses have been washed away, because we've been justified, put right in the sight of God, therefore we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Because God sees the righteousness of Jesus in us. Jesus opened the way for us to come to God. We can pray about all of these things because of what Jesus has done for us. And we can pray about these things because what Jesus is doing now. You know what He's doing now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father and He ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is praying for you and for you and you and you and you and you. Jesus is praying for you. Today, right now, the Son of God is making intercession for you. Golly, isn't that fantastic that our Savior prays for us? And we can do this because of what He's going to do. He's not going to leave us as orphans. Oh, no. He's going to prepare a place for us. And when He gets ready, He's, gets ready, he's going to come back and take us to be with Him. And we can be with Him forever and rejoice forever. We can go to God and pray about all of our anxieties because of Jesus. And so, what happens when we follow the prescription? What's going to happen? All right? You'll have the peace of God. You get the peace of God. It's the peace of God in the sense that it's God's peace. It belongs to Him. The peace of God. It's His peace, and He gives it to us. He grants us His peace. It puts it in our lives. And it's His gift to us. A gift to us. And then we have the peace that passes understanding. Did you notice that's what it says there? And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. We, can't, we just can't understand it. We can't grasp it. We can't get it because it's so high and unimaginable and so wonderful. Oh, what did Jesus say? Peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives so I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. It transcends understanding. It's higher and better and more noble than any peace the world can give because it comes from our loving Savior. And then what is this peace? What's it like? It's that you will have the peace which guards you. Do you notice what it says? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, remember we've talked about the city of Philippi being a Roman colony? That means that it was a garrison of Roman soldiers, so the Roman soldiers were there to protect it. So they knew what it was like to have a, a military cohort protect them. This is a military term, guard. It's like a sentry's on duty, and he's guarding, and he's not going to let any enemy in. And what's guarded? Our hearts. Because you see, when we get anxious, we get all in turmoil inside. And God guards our hearts pushes the turmoil down, takes it away. And God, the peace of God, guards our minds because can't our minds get running 90 miles an hour and we can't shut them off? You know? And yet, if we take the prescription, then the peace of God guards our minds. What a wonderful thing that God does in this. 
He's telling us that we can come to Him and we can share with Him and we can know that He is the God who makes a difference. Listen to what the God said through His prophet years ago in Isaiah 26. It says, talking about God, you will keep in perfect peace. Hey, Sunday school this morning, our Sunday school teacher started off by asking us, you know, what do you know that's perfect? About all we could think of for sure without joking around about some things was, you know, the Lord Jesus. But here he's talking about perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. Why is it steadfast? Because he trusts in you. Put our trust in God. And then we can get that peace. And then he reminds us, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Trust in the Lord forever. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And His peace, God's peace, the peace that passes all understanding, will watch over you and He will guard you. This passage talks about prayer. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. Bow your heads. And I want you to just pray silently. And let me suggest some things for you to pray now. We're going to be still. We're going to be quiet. Get your mind focused on the eternal God. And rejoice in Him. Because He is the Creator. And He is our Redeemer. And He is our Protector. And He is our Provider. Now thank Him. Thank Him for whatever you feel led to thank Him for. Now you need to confess. You need to confess your sins, your wickedness, your iniquities. Maybe you need to confess them for the first time and ask Christ to come into your heart. But maybe as God's child, you need to confess what He needs to clean up in your life. So confess. Now bring your petitions to Him. What you're worried about, what you've got a gnawing anxiety about, what's beating you down, whatever's making you anxious, present your specific request to Him.
Now be still and hear what God wants to say to you. And he wants to say to you right now, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to leave you. Peace I'm giving to you. My peace I'm giving to you. It's not like the world's peace. You may still have persecution. You may still have trouble. But my peace I give to you. You may not even be able to understand it. But I am giving you my peace. So your heart doesn't need to be troubled. Your heart does not need to be afraid. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer and allowing us, sinners though we are, to come before your throne of grace, your throne of mercy, and find there just the help we need. Thank you, Father, for hearing us. Thank you for granting your peace. And thank you that we can pray this prayer through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Maybe today you would like to recommit yourself to this God who is with you and blesses you in so many ways. And just say, Lord, keep me close. I want to follow you and count for you. Maybe today you need to come and say, I, I need to confess my sins. I need to turn from them. I need to ask Jesus to forgive me. I need a Savior because I need help in this life. And I can't go before a holy God like I am. And so today you would come and say, Jesus, take away my sin. Give me your righteousness because I need you and I need God. Today, would you receive the God who made you, loves you, died for you, wants you, wants to be near you? Will you let him? Maybe today, just God has placed a peace in your heart about it's the right thing to do for me to be a member of Holland Avenue Baptist Church. You would come and join our church today. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 465.